Well, hi, everybody, and welcome back to our Wednesday night Bible study together. Uh, I hope you're doing well, and I hope uh, your family and friends are also doing well. I don't know if you can hear it or not, but um, it is pouring rain, but that's fine. We'll take the blessings of the Lord anywhere they come. Now, before we have our time of prayer around God's throne of grace and then get in study of God's Word, there's several things I want to share with you. Uh, first of all, to parents who are listening right now, um, we just want to say from the perspective of the staff, we really miss your children. Now, I've been blessed uh, being able to have more time during this uh, unprecedented time, so to speak, uh, to have with my grandchildren, and that's really been a blessing. But also, I'm, I'm reminded of all the children I would see on Wednesday nights when they'd come for the Wednesday night meal and, and then get involved in Awana and uh, the children that being in our worship together before they went to children's uh, church. And then, um, you don't know it, but we missed a great program the children had prepared for Palm Sunday. I hope somewhere along the line we can bring that back in and we get to hear our children sing and give praise to the Lord again. But we just miss them and miss ministering to them. So as a parent, would you just let them know that uh, we're going to be sending them something through the mail and uh, just uh, tell them to be looking for it. And uh, it's our way of just reaching out, letting them know we love them and uh, getting them involved even in our Sunday worship. Second thing I want to talk to you about is, is I just want you to circle a particular date on your calendar or set it up as a reminder in your iPhone, iPad, your computer, whatever you use. And that is May the 7th. That's not tomorrow, uh, but uh, Thursday week, uh, May the 7th. That day is National Day of Prayer. And uh, I think that as followers of Christ, we need to wake up. And we need to get serious about standing in the gap, uh, getting serious about Second Chronicles 7.14, and uh, calling upon the Lord uh, to deal not only with this crisis, but how people are using this crisis as well. Uh, of course, we want to pray for people to have health. We want to pray for those who are on furlough or lost their jobs, the economic uh, part of this crisis that we're going through. Uh, but we need to be standing in the gap for our country, our communities, our churches. And uh, so what we're going to do next week is going to begin really on Wednesday night. Uh, as we gather here online on Wednesday night for our Wednesday night Bible study, I'm going to step away from the present study that we're involved in right now. And I'm going to share a word with you about prayer, about praying for our country and why we need to be praying for our country and then on Thursday, May the 7th, the National Day of Prayer, uh, the weather permitting, we want to set up uh, a prayer walk where you can come to the church and we will give you the material that you need. Uh, we'll be using our, our golf carts to move you around if necessary. Uh, but we want to give you a chance to get directly involved in, in walking and praying and, and just standing in the gap. Uh, for our country, and as I said earlier, our communities, our churches, and uh, everything that is involved uh, in this challenge we're facing right now. 
Now, keep in mind, we want to be wise. We're going to continue to be responsible. And my number one uh, responsibility and desire is to protect you. So we're going to go through all the guidelines that we have. So you won't have to worry about any of that. I'll share more about this on Sunday. But uh, I just wanted to give you a, a heads up on that. For you to go ahead and, and possibly uh, mark your calendar and begin praying about the, the opportunity to come and uh, be on campus, but in, a, in, a, in the right way, and be able to pray and walk and stand in the gap. So please uh, go ahead and, and begin to make plans for that and asking God to work out the details. It will be from 7.30 in the morning to 7 p.m., uh, 7.30 uh, in the evening, and you can come at any time during that. So again, I'll share more about that on Sunday, but I want to go ahead and give you a heads up tonight. Now, having covered those two things, I do want to update you on some of the things and people that we've been praying about. Uh, a lot of you probably already know that James Peterson is home. We're praising the Lord for that. And uh, he is praising the Lord for that as well. Of course, he still is going to be having rehab and people come and, and help uh, Susan in taking care of him. Uh, but we are rejoicing in how well he has done. So we want to keep praying God's cover over him, God's healing grace upon him. Uh, also, I think you know, because I've, I've already shared this once before, Jane Porter is home. And so, again, she continues in rehab uh, with people coming to the house. But it's just good to see her and Clyde together. And, and I think that was very, very important for that to happen. So keep praying for, for Jane and Clyde Porter uh, during this season in their life. Uh, a lot of you may or may not know that Connor Leopard uh, this past weekend uh, had surgery uh, on his appendix and remove his appendix and it also had an abscess on it which kind of created a little bit more difficult scenario. So he is still in the hospital. Uh, he is feeling better, but his numbers are not quite yet down to normal. They're giving him the antibiotics and everything they need to do. And so hopefully either tomorrow or the day after that, um, when those numbers get right, uh, he'll be able to go home. But I know that Daniel and Vanessa and the family will really like you to continue to be praying for Kiner. Uh, keep Joyce Bagwell before you. She's still in rehab uh, at National Health Care. And, of course, we want to pray for those also who have lost loved ones uh, during this time. And you know how difficult that is because can't have a regular service. It's so hard to be able to go through that type of grieving and, and just not have what you expect to be able to have with family and friends and getting that comfort and things of that nature. So let's just keep those before the Lord. And of course, we, we always want to keep praying for the medical people, our first responders, our officers, our national leaders, our state leaders. They're making decisions that is affecting our daily lives and affecting the future uh, of this country. So now let's pray that God will intervene and move their heart in the direction of his will and what is right uh, on behalf of our country and on behalf of the people of this country. So these are things you want to remember right now. So will you just join me right where you are in your heart? And let's go to his throne of grace and uh, lay these before him. So eternal God and Father, we do, as we come in the name of our Lord and Savior, your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we come first and foremost just in our heart and in our spirit just bowing before you. Because we know you are the Lord God most high. 
We know we know we are before the one who is eternally holy, eternally perfect, eternally righteous. You are El Shaddai, Almighty God. Uh, you are Yahweh, the great I am. And yet, because of your grace and your love, you are our Father, our Abba Father. And so as we just kind of gather around you tonight at your throne of grace, Lord, we just lay these out before you. We're rejoicing that James has gone through this open heart surgery so well. And we ask and trust that you continue just out of the depth of your love. And Lord, your omnipotent power continue to just bring healing to his body. And Lord, just be with Susan, Lord, as she ministers to him and loves on him and takes care of him. Give her that extra physical and emotional strength, Lord God, to care for him. We ask, Lord God, that you continue to be with Kynard. And we're grateful he went through the surgery well. Uh, I know they're anxious to get home, just get the family back together. Uh, but, Lord, we want it to be at the right time when he's well, well enough to be able to go. So, Lord, just lavish your grace on him, your healing grace. And Lord, give him a good night. Bless everything the doctors are doing, Lord, to meet his need. And continue, Lord, to just comfort Daniel and Vanessa and the family uh, as they are there to love on him as, as they can. And uh, Lord God, just waiting to be able to get him home. And Lord, we pray you'll continue to be with Joyce, be with those who have lost loved ones, continue to be with Clyde and, and Jane, Lord, Lord God, during this season of their life, a very difficult season of their life. And we just ask, Lord, that out of your loving kindness that you would comfort them. And Lord, that your hand of protection would be upon them as well. And then, Lord, we just think about where we are. Lord, I think about the decisions that our leaders have to make, knowing that they're, they're getting information from so many different sources. Some are truth and some are not truth, and they have to sort through all that. So I'm asking, Lord God, to give them discernment that can only come from you. Lord, that you would enlighten their eyes to the truth, that, Lord, you would move their heart in the direction that they need to go, and you give them the courage, Lord, to not only make that decision, but to, to get, that, uh, get it moving in the direction that it needs to go. Lord, there's so many who are right there in the front lines taking care of us. We thank you for them, Lord God. During this time, we thank you for them all the time because they're always out there. Our first responders, our officers, our medical people, they're all out there, not during this time, but Lord, every day they're putting their life on the line in so many different ways. So Lord, bless them. I just cover them with your awesome, omnipotent protection, and we give you the glory. Now, Father, we thank you for your word, and Lord, what uh, you're going to be teaching us tonight from your word, I just ask you to direct me, trusting you to give me the words I need to be able to unfold this and share this with my church family and my friends who have gathered here tonight uh, to have this time together. So you bless it, I ask, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. All right, if you have your Bibles right now, we're in a very... A uh, unique study of probably the most well-known passage of Scripture, at least it's probably most quoted or most read passage of Scripture, found in Matthew chapter 6, uh, verses 9 through 13, and it's the Lord's Prayer. 
And our goal in this study is not simply to look at the, the wonderful words of the different phrases of this prayer, but to dig deeper and pull out those nuggets of truth that are built into everything Jesus is actually teaching his disciples about prayer so that we can have a better understanding. But more than that, we can have a greater time of communion and understanding when we are in the presence of the Lord, calling upon his name in prayer as well. So, so far in this study, we've looked at two things uh, in the Lord's Prayer. First of all, uh, we looked at the person of prayer, uh, where Jesus said, pray in this manner, our Father who is in heaven. And one of the truths that we learn in our first study is that the Lord God wants us to be able to approach him and address him as Father. Now, the Lord is the eternal God and creator of all. So, anyone, whosoever, with a sincere heart can call upon him. But the Lord is not the eternal God and Father of all people. Scripture tells us in John chapter 1 and in verse 12, but as many as received him, talking about the Lord Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior, it says, to as many as received him are given the right to become children of God. That is, that, that eternal God becomes more than our creator. He becomes our father. And we learn not just our father, but also our Abba or Abba Father, which is a beautiful picture of, of a child climbing up into the lap of his or her father and putting their arms around him and just looking right into his face and eyes to just share what is on their heart, and what is on their mind. Just a beautiful, beautiful picture. But it begins with knowing Christ as our Lord and Savior and becoming part of the family of God so that God is our eternal God and Abba, Father. And then last week, we began looking at the praise of prayer because Jesus said to his disciples, pray in this manner, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. And we discovered this is a very unique phrase. First of all, uh, it involved uh, a, a contrast. He just gave us a picture of a child climbing into the lap of his or her father and putting their arms around them and just, you know, as a child does, as we, we did as a child and maybe as our children or our grandchildren have done and just pouring out, sharing their heart and their thoughts with us. And then immediately he gives us this contrast where he's basically saying this. He says, now before you begin to share all your requests with your Abba Father, with your Heavenly Father, Take time to remember who he is. Take time to remember what he has done. In other words, put all of that aside. Everything you got on your heart right now, everything you got on your mind, everything you want to ask of him, and just worship him and just praise him and just exalt him. Hallow his name in your heart with your lips as you lift your voice up to him and, and you begin to just give him all the honor and all the glory and all the praise, <coughs> excuse me, that he so rightly deserves. And when we do that, it keeps that spirit of awe and it keeps that spirit of reverence both in our heart and in our mind. Even though that he is our father, 
and we can kind of climb up in his lap. We have such an incredible, intimate relationship with him. He's still God, Almighty God, the Lord God Most High. And so, first of all, when we see that phrase, we learn that uh, to hallow his name is to take time before anything else and just praise him for who he is and what he's done and bring those offerings of thanksgiving uh, to him for uh, how he has worked in your life and blessed your life. We also learned that this phrase was unique in this way, that it's literally written as an imperative, an aorist impre uh, imperative. And, and what that simply means is that in reality it's a request. Jesus is saying, pray in this manner. Lord God, hallow your name. We're asking the Lord to hallow his name or to glorify his name. Jesus gave us the example himself. And, and several of his prayers recorded right here in Scripture, he would begin by saying, Father, glorify your name. And so when we pray and we spend that time in his presence and we hallow his name, what we're doing is say, Lord, I want you to hallow your name in and through my life. I want you to exalt your name in and through my life. I want you to glorify your name in and through my life. I want you to glorify your name in my marriage. I want you to glorify your name in my, in my family. I want you to glorify your name in my church. Hallow your name. Exalt it. Of course, we know that when Jesus is exalted, the promise is he will draw all men unto himself. And so we have looked at the person of prayer and we looked at the praise of prayer. Now tonight, as we move on in our study of the Lord's Prayer, we want to look now at the priority of prayer. And, and here's what Jesus said as we look in verse 10 of, of this passage. He said, pray in this manner, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, what does he mean by that? What does he mean by your kingdom come? What, what is the kingdom of God? Well, the kingdom of God is where he is supreme. It is where he rules over everything as king. It is where he has preeminence over everything. And that's the key word. I would love for you to write that word down, preeminence. Because that's what it means. When we pray, your kingdom come. We're praying, Lord, we want you to reign. We want you to rule. We want you to be supreme. We want you to have preeminence over everything in our life. And again, as I often do, to, to show the expansion of that in our marriages, in our homes, in our churches, that you would be supreme. You would have preeminence. Now, to explain that, I just want to talk a little bit about uh, the principle of preeminence, and then I want to talk to you a little bit about the practice of preeminence in our lives. So, if you will, would you turn with me just for a moment over to Colossians, Colossians chapter 1, and I want to read for you verses 17 and 18. Uh, 
Paul is talking about Christ. And so when I talk about God uh, ruling, God being supreme, God being preeminent, of course, I'm talking about God the Father. I'm talking about God the Son. I'm talking about God the Holy Spirit. And here in Colossians chapter 1, Paul focuses particularly upon our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So now listen carefully to what he wrote concerning Christ. He said, he is, this beginning in verse 17, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is also head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have, now here's the key phrase, so I don't want you to miss this, for himself to, to have first place in everything. Uh, in the King James translation, it says that in all things he would have preeminence. That is, he is, he is ruling, he is supreme uh, above all things and all people that is in our lives. Let me just remind you what you probably already know about the Lord, but in our humanness, we just many times have to be told over and over and over again. The Lord does not want a place in your life. The Lord does not want to have a place in your life. The Lord does not want to have prominence in your life. The Lord desires, the Lord deserves, and the Lord demands that he have, that he has preeminence in our lives. He's not a moonlighting God. He's not a part-time Savior or Lord. His throne is not a duplex. He desires, he deserves, and he demands preeminence in our lives. That there is nothing and there is no one that is above him or equal to him but that he is exceedingly abundantly above everything and everyone else that is in our lives. That is the principle of preeminence. Well, you say, well, what does that look like? Well, let's look at several things here as we look at it, look at the uh, second aspect of this, not just the practice of preeminence or the principle of preeminence, but now secondly, the practice of preeminence. And I'm going to give you five things. I'm just going to touch on each one of them briefly uh, to, to help you kind of get a, a picture uh, of what this looks like in a practical way as we're trying to live out our lives every day and that, that the Lord Jesus, our, our Savior, that Christ, our God, our Abba Father, even the Spirit of the living Lord has preeminence in our lives. So jot these three things down. First of them, give him the first love of your heart. Give him the first love of your heart. You might remember the letter that Jesus dictated to the Apostle John is found in uh, Revelation chapter 2. 
and he dictated a letter to seven different churches, but the one I want to draw your attention to is the first one uh, involving the church in Ephesus. And I just want to remind you what he said to this church. This was a very busy church, and he commended them for a lot of things. But then he came back in verse 4, and this is very, very significant. It says that he said to them, Revelation 2, 4, but I have this against you that you have left your first love. Now, he didn't say they didn't love him. What he was saying was there are other things, possibly other people, that you love now more than you love me. You see, he is to have, have preeminent love in our hearts as followers of Christ. Him being our Abba Father, our eternal God and Father in our lives. Again, he desires it, he deserves it, and he demands preeminence. You say, well, how, how do you know if you, you've gotten to that point where maybe, maybe he doesn't have preeminent love, maybe he does not have the, the first love in our hearts, maybe we've allowed other things to come into life. Well, here's one way to measure that. When you have a choice between doing what you know pleases the Lord and what pleases this person or this person or this other person in your life, and you choose those people to please them instead of pleasing the Lord, or you have a choice between pleasing the Lord, doing exactly what you know what he wants you to do, but there are things that please you. And you decide to do what pleases you instead of what pleases the Lord, that's a red flag. That, that lets you know right away that he no longer possesses that preeminent love in your heart. That he no longer has that first love in your heart. He doesn't have that preeminence. So, so first of all, when we look at it in a practical way, you've got to start here because until we get this right, probably we're going to struggle with the rest of the things I'm going to tell you. Even though they're not, they're not uh, complicated things, they're just simple things about daily life and, and living for the Lord, the next things I share. But still, until we get this one right, we probably will struggle with the others. But having said that, let's look at them. So not only to give him first love in our hearts, but secondly, to give him the first thoughts of every day. I, I shared in the devotion that I sent out this morning and to tell the truth, the devotions I'm sending out during this uh, coronavirus season that we're in just to uh, encourage you and uh, just uh, uh, to try to keep the Lord before you, maybe help you in your daily walk with him. Uh, as the Lord is speaking to me, then I just share it with you. Uh, but I was sharing with just how powerful the mind is, that it's the control tower of our lives. And, and so we got to be very careful as to what we're not only putting into our mind, what we're feeding our mind, but what we're thinking about. And uh, what we want to do is give him the first thoughts. Uh, I looked at this verse um, uh, today in, in Psalms 5 and, and in, um, in verse 3. 
And here's the, this is Psalm of David. And of course, you know, David was a man after God's own heart. I mean, he just, I mean, he just had a love for the Lord. Yeah, he made some mistakes in life, serious mistakes in life. But he found his way back and experienced the incredible mercy and forgiveness and love of God in his life. But it says in Psalms 5 and in verse 3, In the morning, O Lord, you will hear my voice. In the morning, I will order my prayer to you and eagerly watch. Now, I'm afraid sometimes what we do is we just jump up, and I've done this, so I've been there, done this, done that, got a t-shirt to prove it, so to speak. But when we just kind of jump up, and uh, we're going through the basic things we got to do to get our showers, get dressed, have some breakfast, have some coffee, and we're moving on. And we're, we're not taking time to get our minds focused on the Lord, to give Him the first thoughts of every day, so that then, through the power of the Holy Spirit, as Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, the very latter part, verse C, uh, uh, section C of that verse where he says, take every thought captive in obedience to Christ. And that is so important that we do that. So I, I just want to challenge you. It's a very simple thing, but it's a very important thing that at part of giving him preeminence, letting him be supreme, rule and reign, then we got to give him the thoughts of our minds. So we give him the first thoughts of the day and, and a verse that you might want to use uh, before you even get out of bed, you wake up and you know that the Lord's given you another day. And, and so maybe Psalms 118 and in verse 24 might be a good verse for you. Now, I've used it before in my life to kind of help me get started. And that is that verse that says, this is the day you have made and I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. That just gets my mind immediately upon the Lord. Lord, and then that leads me, of course, to my devotion time and my time in His presence. So, when we talk about the practice of preeminence, we're talking about giving Him the first love of our heart. We're talking about giving Him the first uh, thought, uh, the first thoughts of the day. And then the third thing I want to tell you is that, uh, in a practical way, you want to give Him the first day of the week. Now, listen carefully to what I'm sharing. Uh, over in Acts chapter 20, if you would turn there with me, Acts chapter 20 and in verse 7, uh, um, as you know, the early disciples, they didn't have a quote-unquote church house. Uh, they didn't, you know, have... Uh, a campus, so to speak, to come to like we have today. And, and so they just had to meet together in homes. And a lot of times they describe that meeting as breaking bread together. Well, uh, here in Acts chapter 20 and verse 7, the Scripture tells us that on the first day of the week when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul began to preach or began to talk to them. Now, the point I'm trying to make through that is simply to say this. They met on the first day of the week. That's Sunday. Now, let me just clarify something for you. Sunday is not the Sabbath. Saturday is the Sabbath. Sunday is the Lord's day. It's the first day of the week, and it's called the Lord's day. And, and those who choose to uh, worship on Saturday, 
worship on the Sabbath is because they have embraced the old covenant that is in the Old Testament or which is the Old Testament and it's called the covenant of law. But for those of us who have come to know Christ, we have embraced the covenant of grace that was signed and sealed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and ratified on the day that he rose from the dead and that was on Sunday the first day of the week and that is called the Lord's Day. Now, having said that, you know, we're in this predicament we're in right now with the coronavirus uh, crisis and uh, the social distancing and the guidelines they have asked us to follow. And as a church and as your pastor, I've been seeking to uh, be wise and be responsible and and to be a witness, really, to the world and, and follow those guidelines. And so we're not able to have some in-person uh, gathering here on campus, even though it's so incredibly important that we'll be able to worship together and we'll be able to fellowship together. But here's one I get across tonight. That doesn't change anything. Sunday is still the Lord's day. And it's the first day of the week. And so you want to give him the first day of the week. In other words, even though you can't come here, we can't gather here, or if you're one of our friends that are connecting with us, but you are part of another fellowship, but you're coming online and, in, and being with us in our Bible studies, even though you can't be on campus and in person uh, with the church family you're part of, it doesn't change anything. And so the challenge now, right now in this setting, is that you've got to be creative. Creative, and you still got to make sure that your children understand and, and that in your home, Sunday is still the Lord's day. And so you got to make sure that he has preeminence on that day. There may be a lot of other things you do, but make sure it's a day that your family or you and your spouse or you personally keep the Lord's day and keep him preeminent in it uh, each and every week. And, and so to practice preeminence, we, we got to give him the first love uh, of our heart. We need to give him the first thoughts of the day. We need to give him the first day of the week. And then uh, the, uh, uh, the fourth thing that I want to draw your attention to is that we need to give him the first fruits, uh, the first fruits of uh, our resources. So I want you to turn with me to a couple of passages of Scripture, a very specific passage of Scripture really found in Proverbs. So would you do that? Uh, Proverbs chapter 3. And I will first of all uh, read verse 9. Listen to what it says. Uh, Proverbs chapter 3 and in verse 9. It says, Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce. Now, when he uses that word wealth here, he's not talking about uh, for those of you who are wealthy. It's just a general term to whatever amount of resources you have that is coming in and, and that you're using to meet needs and to support uh, the ministry of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and to meet the needs of your family, all of those things. And so he is just saying you need to honor the Lord with the first fruits of those resources in your life. 
I want to take a moment uh, to once again, I've shared this several times, but it has been so amazing and uh, just <clears throat> overwhelming to see uh, how faithful you have been. I'm talking about those of our, our family here at Washington, how faithful you have been and given during this time, uh, even though um, we're limited in what we can do at the moment. But uh, when that door opens up, uh, we will be ready to uh, just uh, hit the road running because of your goodness and because of your sacrificial and, and I believe joyful giving. And, but I recognize as well that there's some of you, you've been furloughed, you've lost your jobs, and so you don't have as much coming in, you don't have as much resources. Still, if you will be faithful, listen, if you will be faithful to honor the Lord, that's the key phrase, honor the Lord with the first fruits of your resources in whatever manner that comes. Here's what he says in verse 10. This is what I want you to see. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. In other words, when he is preeminent over the resources that we have in life, just like when he is preeminent over his day for the week, when he is preeminent over our thoughts, when he is preeminent over our hearts, and he has first love, when he is preeminent and has first place over our resources, and we just live in obedience to him, he keeps having open over us so that every need is met and that uh, even wants are given, but he is going to show himself mighty. He has promised that. So even if in this crisis your resources have been pulled back, then you just still be faithful with what you have been blessed with. And I want to tell you, you keep him preeminent there, then he is going to surely bless you in ways you never saw coming. And so we just give him the glory for that. And, and so the practice of preeminence is that we give him the first love of our hearts. We give him the first thoughts of our day. We give him the first day of the week. We give him the first fruits of our, our resources. And then lastly, we give him the first place in every decision. And this is something that's really uh, been on my heart this week. And those of you who have been receiving uh, and reading the uh, To Tell the Truth devotions I've been sending out have obviously picked up on that. But, of course, we're making tremendous decisions here uh, and preparing ourselves for what the next week holds for us here at Washington and, and uh, of course, making decisions in terms of my own family. All of us are doing that. And so it's very, very important that if he is to be preeminent over everything in our lives and every relationship in our lives that we give him first place in every decision. So looking here in Proverbs chapter 3 and just following through with some of the thoughts that I've already been sharing, here's what the Scripture says. You know this well. I use it often. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. That is start with him. Start with him. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. And then the very first part of verse 7 says this, do not be wise in your own eyes. You know what I need in my life? I don't need human wisdom. I need heaven's wisdom. 
I need my holy Abba Father's wisdom. I need my Lord and Savior's wisdom. I need the discernment that only the Holy Spirit of God can give me for my personal life and as a pastor. And so I need him to be preeminent in the decisions I am making in life. It's going to obviously impact my life. I remind you again of what it says in James chapter 1 and in verse 5. And this is a promise. And it's a promise from the Lord. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. The Lord says, all you have to do is ask and believe. Trust that I love you enough. I love you so much that if you sincerely make me preeminent over the decisions you're making through the power of my Holy Spirit, through the power of Scripture, I will lead you and guide you because I am preeminent. The Lord will not take second place to anything or anyone. He wants to be preeminent. So when we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we're saying, Lord, I surrender to you. I surrender all. Every relationship, every decision, every day, I surrender it all. Because I want you to be preeminent. I want you to reign and rule supreme in every facet of my life. Your kingdom come, and he will. So, Lord God, we thank you. We thank you that you love us enough, not just to be on the sidelines, not just to be a part-time God, but you want to be preeminent in every facet of our lives because you love us, because you want to lavish your grace on us, your mercy on us, and you want to, Lord, guide us in everything so that you can open up heaven over us and bless us. So, Father, thank you for this word that comes from your word. And I trust you'll use it continually in my life, but in the lives of those who have joined us tonight as well. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.